Our title today is A Thankful Heart, and we turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 1, and we read verses 9 through 14, which is really a prayer that Paul is praying for the believers there in that church. Colossians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father, these are words that you have given by the inspiration of your Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would apply this truth to our lives today. Teach us what it means to have a thankful heart. And may our hearts overflow with joy and praise to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a minister in England who saw a little boy who had come to church during the week. And he went up to the altar and he knelt there and he stayed for quite a long time. And after he was done, the pastor went and met him and said, Do you come here often? And he said, I've been here four times in the last five days. And so the minister asked him, Do you have someone in the war? That was during a time of war. And he said, Yes, I do. My daddy. He says, I've been praying for him every day that God would bring him safely home. And now that he has arrived safely, I've come back to thank him. If we were to analyze the content of our prayers, I wonder if we would find that we ask the Lord for a lot more than we thank him. Would you find that to be true in your life? Uh, so much of our prayer life is, Lord, bless so-and-so, Lord, heal so-and-so, Lord, save so-and-so. And those are wonderful things. We do need to pray in that way. But you know, the Bible makes it clear that our prayer life really should be flowing also with thanksgiving. If you go back to the previous letter, Philippians chapter 4, in verse 6, this very familiar verse, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So even when we are asking God for something, even when we are coming with our requests and our petitions, Paul says they need to be brought before the throne of God with thanksgiving. And that's what we focus on today, a thankful heart. I pray that God would indeed give us a, a thankful heart. There's two lessons we learn in this text. First of all, a thankful heart is fueled by prayer. 
A thankful heart is fueled by prayer. As Paul writes to the Colossian believers about being thankful, he is actually praying that they would indeed have a thankful heart. In verse 10, he prays that they would live a life that pleases God. And then he goes on to describe what that life is like. Bearing fruit in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened. And then joyously giving thanks. So one of the things that Paul prays for is that the Colossian believers would have a thankful heart. I was thinking about that this week as I was looking at this passage. And I I had to ask myself a question. Should we have to ask God to make us thankful? Shouldn't thanksgiving really just flow from our hearts? Shouldn't it be just a part of our lives daily that, God, you have been so good to me. God, you have blessed me. God, you have provided for my needs. Shouldn't thanksgiving just flow out of us? (laughs) Well, you would think that it would or should flow naturally, but sadly, it doesn't always, it isn't always that way. A thankfulness certainly isn't a part of the life of the unbeliever. Romans chapter 1 verse 21 says this, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave Him thanks. And so when you don't acknowledge God for who He is, you surely won't give thanks to Him. And there's people we meet every day, they have no acknowledgement of God in their lives. No thankfulness to Him, no living relationship with Him. It's all about self, all about me. That's the life of the unbeliever. They don't acknowledge Him and they don't give thanks to Him. But thankfulness to God can also be a struggle for the Christian. We who know Jesus can fall into the trap that the Israelites did as they wandered through the wilderness. They complained a whole lot more than they gave thanks, even though God had abundantly and richly provided for their needs. I find it interesting that in this letter, the book of Colossians, Paul mentions thanksgiving or thankfulness six times. The first one is here in our text. We find it in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. He says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Thanksgiving. Look at chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness. In your hearts to God. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. doesn't stop there. Chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude 
of thanksgiving. I'm not sure if the Colossian believers were not thankful people, but after they read this letter, they should have known that they should be thankful. That should be a part of our lives daily. Praising God, thanking Him for His goodness. So do you have a thankful heart? Do you live each day rejoicing in God's goodness to you, praising Him for what He has done for you? I read a story about a an old Indian man that was very respected in his community. And he had uh, dinner with a man one day who just dug into his food without giving thanks to God. And so the Indian fellow says, you know what a man who does this reminds me of? And the guy wasn't really interested, but he told him anyhow. He reminds me of a hog sitting in a, under a chestnut tree eating chestnuts as they fall from the tree without even thinking of looking up to see where those chestnuts chestnuts come from. And how many people are like that, just eating and feeding themselves and all the blessings without taking the time to wonder, where does all this come from? James answers that question, doesn't he? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights with whom there is no shifting shadow. Maybe it needs to begin where we get down on our knees and say, Lord, teach me to be thankful. As Paul prayed for this church that they would joyously give thanks. Maybe that's where it needs to start with us and our culture on our knees, saying, Lord, teach me to be thankful for all the blessings that you have given to me. A thankful heart is fueled by prayer. A second thing we notice today, a thankful heart then flows in praise. And if you want to know where you can begin in offering praise to God, Paul gives us a wonderful list in this prayer that he prays for the Colossians. For one thing, he says that God has rescued us from darkness. God has rescued us from darkness. Look at verse 13. After he prays for them that they might joyously give thanks, he says, For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. Have you ever had to be rescued? I remember a time when we were traveling from eastern Montana back to Minnesota, and we were going through the uh, Theodore Roosevelt Park I think it runs kind of south from Williston down to Dickinson, and there's this uh, huge uh, valley you go through and a curved road, and it had uh, rained and snowed, and it was just like an ice sheet. And as we were coming around the corner, slow enough to not go off the road, the wind was coming from the west, and it literally blew us right into the ditch. And here we are with little kids in, the, in our van, and, and all of a sudden coming down the, the road the other way, this big semi, it is jackknifing, and we're thinking, uh-oh, here we go. We're going to meet Jesus today. And that uh, trailer came about six inches from our van. I can still see those tires going by. Highway Patrol comes by. He gets out of his vehicle, takes one step on the road, and fell right on his seat and slid right down, right down into the ditch where we were. It was so icy. There was no way we were going to get ourselves out of that. We had to be rescued. 
And there was a man who came along with a four-wheel drive, and, and he was far enough up on the, on the other bank where there was some gravel there, hooked up a rope to us and rescued us, pulled us out of the ditch. But we've been rescued. If you know Jesus, you've been rescued. There was nothing you could do to save yourself, but God, in His mercy and grace, He rescued you. And not from a ditch in North Dakota, but from the domain of darkness. Bad enough to be in a ditch in North Dakota, but it's worse to be in the domain of darkness. That's reason to praise Him, huh? We've been rescued. Sorry, North Dakotans. Verse 13 goes on to say, not only have we been rescued from darkness, we've been transplanted. Did you know that? We've been transferred. Verse 13 says, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. The word transferred is is the word for transplanted. You think of taking maybe a, a... a flower or a plant that's in a smaller container and you take it out and you, you transfer it, you transplant it into something else. Now, the word was used in Paul's day to describe uh, how rulers would sometimes uh, transplant a conquered people into a new area. Well, we've been transplanted, but it's not from freedom into slavery. We've been transplanted from slavery into freedom. <laughs> And we've been transplanted from darkness into light. Reason to praise Him today? Absolutely. You've been rescued if you know Jesus. You've been transferred, transplanted into His kingdom. Verse 14 says that you have been redeemed. If you know Jesus, you have been redeemed. In whom we have redemption which he defines as the forgiveness of our sins. And the word redeem would obviously have been something they understood in Paul's day, living within the Roman Empire. All kinds of slaves in that day. And sometimes someone was, was, was concerned enough to buy the freedom of the slave, to pay the price on the auction block and then set the, sa- the slave free. You know, Jesus, you've been bought with a price. Not with silver and gold, the Bible says, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot or blemish. Think of that. God gave the lifeblood of His Son to redeem you, to set you free, to buy you back. In Him we have redemption. That's what Jesus did for us. And that certainly is reason to joyously give thanks. But that's not all. Look at verse 12. We have been given an inheritance, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You want your heart to overflow. Look up the word inheritance in Scripture. And to see what we have because of Jesus. First Peter 1.4 says that our inheritance can never perish, never spoil, never fade. Kept in heaven for you, Peter writes. 
1 Corinthians 2, 9 describes it as, as what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it ever entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Romans 8, verse 17 says that we are co-heirs, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Ever thought about what that means? Everything the Father owns, we own. We share in that inheritance. We are co-heirs. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Whatever is His, is ours. If that doesn't blow your mind away, just think of that. It's no wonder Paul says that we are to joyfully give thanks to God for all that He has done for us. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that thankful people are joyful people. Isn't that true? Thankful people are joyful people. Even people in the nursing home. Heard a story about a guy that was sharing in a nursing home one day and he asked the people what they're thankful for. And one man said, I'm thankful for my hearing aid. He says, because what I want to hear, I put it in my ear, and if I want to sleep, he said, I take it out. And I don't hear anybody snoring. Thankful for his hearing. Other guy said, I'm thankful for my wooden leg. He says, because then I can hold my sock up with a thumbtack. Joyously giving thanks. But the opposite is true as well, isn't it? Some of the most unhappy people that you will ever meet are unthankful people. They are always looking at the dark side of life, aren't they? Never thankful for the good things. They're always looking at the troubles, always looking at the dark side of life. Miss out on the good things that God has done for them because they can't get their eyes off of their troubles. I remember walking into a nursing home one day, and there's a guy sitting out in the front, beautiful sunny day. I said, good morning, sir. And he just growled at me. What's good about it, he said. I thought, well, Jesus loves you. The sun is shining. He died to save you from your sin. That's all he could say. You know, when you are an unthankful person, you will not be a a joyful person. But when you do, as the hymn writer says, count your blessings, huh? Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. There was a man that wanted to sell his house one day, so I think he called up Dennis Holmquist, real estate agent, and so uh, the real estate agent wrote out a description of his house. And then he handed it to the owner and he said, Here, read this. What do you think of this? And as he read through it, he said, This home is not for sale. He said, This is the kind of home that I've always wanted. <laughs> Count your blessings. Name them one by one. So as we meditate on all that God has done for us, we stand in awe of His goodness, don't we? If you're forgiven today, 
If you're saved today, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You have the promise that God is going to be with you in in each and every circumstance. Isn't that reason to thank Him? In Psalm 116, the psalmist is recounting all the good things that God had done for him. And he comes to verse 12, and he asks this question, How can I repay the Lord? For all his goodness to me. Have you ever thought about that? Can you repay the Lord for all his goodness to you? Can you repay him for giving you life? Can you repay him for saving your soul? Can you repay him for forgiving your sins and providing for your needs and answering your prayers? giving you the hope of heaven and an inheritance that will never perish or spoil or fade. There's no way we can repay the Lord. (laughs) No way. He has done so much for us. There's no way we could ever repay Him. But we surely ought to thank Him today. Lord, You've been so good to me. Lord, you have blessed me beyond measure. You have provided for my needs. You have saved my soul. You have forgiven my sin. You have written my name in the Lamb's book of life. I am a co-heir, a joint heir with Jesus. God indeed has been so good. And maybe it needs to begin on our knees today. Lord, give me a thankful heart. Write down some of those blessings that, that God has poured out upon you. And may our hearts then overflow with praise for His goodness to us. Paul says, giving thanks, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, for He rescued us from the domain of darkness. He transferred us into the kingdom of His Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have been so good to us. Forgive us for those times when we have not been thankful. We have chosen to look at the challenges and the struggles of life and have complained. Oh God, teach us what it means to joyously give thanks to you as we count the many ways that you have blessed us. Lord, you are good. Your mercies endure forever. We praise you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.